Welcome to Creative Kaleidoscope, the show about all things art. We have a great one for you today, so let's jump right into our first segment, this week's painting. All right, we're starting out with a 12 by 24 stretch canvas. We're using a pot lid and some spray paint caps. And we are going to mark it with the cheap black spray paint from the dollar store, marking where our planets are gonna go. I'll show you there, that's the fluorescent orange. I like that because it shows up real nice under the black light, looks real cool. Now I'm gonna add a little bit of blue and a little bit of the fluorescent pink and a little bit of purple and some white and a little bit of black. Make sure your cans are nice and shook up and that your tips are clean. And now I'm getting ready to lay that paper down to get our texture on the planet. That is going to be our first planet. See how that comes out. And I already know that I don't like how that looks. So I'm gonna crumple up the paper again and just kind of work the pattern around and see what the next pull looks like. A little better. I'm gonna touch it up. And I'm gonna add some more color to it. And add some more texture with the fluorescent green. Again, that will look really cool under the black light. New piece of newspaper. And pull it, and there we go. Got some texture I like. Now add some depth to the planet, the dark side of the planet. There's nice, easy sprays. Now I'm going to work it in with the light color, the white. And position my stencil just right. I'm spraying the base layer of the moons with some almond color Rust-Oleum. And then I'm going to hit it with some white. And then I'm going to hit it with some black. And that will give us the color that we want for our moons. Again, some crunched up newspaper. Pull it off. And we're going to do the same thing with the second moon. A couple dabs to get it just how we want the moon. And then add the dark side of the moon to each moon. The depth. And I just hit that with the cheap dollar store spray paint. It's got a nice translucent finish. And just make both of those planets how I want them. And now I'm going to set down my spray paint can stencils, the tops. And I need to switch that one out real quick. There we go. And now I'm marking the edges again around the planet stencils. Just using Rust-Oleum on this one because it's more opaque. Sprays on nicely. And now I'm using the Rust-Oleum again to give the shine to the planet. And now we're going to make a design underneath what would be, I guess you could say, our galaxy. I'm working it with the fluorescent green, 
and try to incorporate the planets into the galaxy swirl best I can. Always make sure that you spray paint the edge of your canvases or paint the edges of your canvases. You never have a finished canvas unless the edges are painted. It's always good to know. And let's take it back to the studio and we'll be back in a second. Let's kick to a commercial and we'll be right back with our first guest. low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, yeah? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek-approved. We're offering spectacular savings during the spring sales event at Parkway Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Great deals on our inventory of over 2,000 new vehicles, including our entire selection of Ram 1500 pickups with special lease deals on many of our best-selling models. Over 200 vehicles, under $200 a month. Early out on all lease payoffs of $3,000 or less. And Parkway offers an extra $2,000 for your trade-in. Only at Parkway Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Clinton Township, where you just show up, sign up, and ride. Hey, you guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on new radio media. Turtle power! Welcome back. I had the chance to talk to author and improv comic Frank Ford, who joined us via phone from Texas to talk about his new book and philosophies on comedy. And welcome back to Creative Kaleidoscope. And on the phone, you have a special phone interview with Frank Ford from Four Day Weekend Comedy Troupe. How are you, Frank? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. Oh, well, thank you for joining me. It's uh, equally an honor. (laughs) (laughs) We're both honored. Exactly. So why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what you you do? I understand that it's... um, improv comedy am i kind of on point there yes you are yeah uh, i'm an improvisational uh performer comedian uh, and for those of your listeners who may or may not know what that is um it's uh it's kind of like whose line is it anyway so uh my profession is you know of course we get audience suggestions and then we improvise and make up scenes and songs based on those suggestions so um, that's what I do versus stand up, which is just one person on a microphone um, doing their comedy. So, uh, and I've been doing that for, yeah, we, we just celebrated our 21st anniversary. So, all oh, wow. my business partners and friends and everybody, we, we do that uh, every weekend for the general public. And then we travel around the country and do private shows for companies uh, when we're not uh, on stage. Right on. Well, congratulations on 21 Thank years. You. That's a pretty yeah. big deal. Now, yeah, uh, it, it, how many people do you perform with? Oh, well, that uh, that depends. Now, we have uh, we, we 
usually within any given show, we'll, we'll have a musical director, a host, and then uh, there's probably um, five or six improvisers. And we've had to expand our cast o- over the years because we have a theater, 212-seat theater in Fort Worth, and then we have a 160-seat theater in Dallas. So we've had to expand the cast and rotate the cast uh, to be able to perform at both of those venues. Um, so it, it varies. The cast is much bigger now than when I start, when, when we started the company. When we started, uh, we were doing three-man shows with a host. And, you know, now it's, <laughs> we have enough people to do, you know, five or six-man shows uh, with a host. So it's changed a lot of, of, over the years. Right on. And uh, so are you guys touring right now? or? Well, we have, again, we have our uh, the two theaters uh, that we have to perform and put on a live performance there every weekend for mm. the general public. And, and we have two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday in both Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, so we have to have a cast that stays behind uh, for those shows. But yes, we have to split the group up sometimes because what happens is we do a lot of corporate entertainment mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of keynotes and a lot of workshops. So we're hired uh, all over the country. Um, that's our touring. So, so, yeah, we will go as a group like we were recently in Austin um, there for a week. Uh, and then, you know, gosh, we've been all over the place. Phoenix recently, uh, San Francisco recently. So we go around and do these private corporate events, uh, but there is always a cast that is uh, in town to put on the live performances. So that way we can double dip, triple dip, um, you know, on the shows. We just have to split up the cast and make sure that our bases are all, all covered. Very cool, very cool. Now, I've noticed on your website and just like, you know, researching you guys that you do improv training and uh like have a training center what's that all about yeah so one of the things that came up when we first started doing our show is that people said to us you know hey do you guys teach improv classes and of course we had taken improv classes when we were coming up um i studied at the second city conservatory uh, along with uh, david wilk and I, i was there during a magical time, uh, Tina Fey was on the main stage with, when I was in the conservatory. Oh, so wow. I, I just watched in awe uh, when she would perform with Rachel Dratch and Scott Adsit and Kevin Dorff and, uh, you know, Mick Napier directed the show. These are really, really mm-hmm. great improvisers, writers, directors, obviously, that, that went on to bigger and better things. And so we, after we started to gain traction and popularity, we emulated sort of what Second City did. You know, we offered up some classes for other people that came to see our show and thought, hey, I kind of want to learn about improvisation. And so we started the training center also in 1997 because uh, our show was very popular and people were asking about it. And now we have levels one through five. We teach classes in Fort Worth and in Dallas. And, you know, it's a great philosophy because, Recently, we wrote our book, Happy Accidents, which became a national bestseller. And the training center, the classes are based on that yes-end philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it really is a philosophy for life. Uh, and so everything's just kind of dovetailed nicely together here recently, where all this work and all these moving parts have sort of coalesced into this this wonderful philosophy that we have now at, uh, at 40 Weekend. It's been great. 
And yeah. then uh, you guys just recently put out um, a best-selling novel or book, uh, Happy Accidents. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, you know, it was one of those things that wasn't on our bucket list of things to do. But uh, we were doing, uh, we were doing a bunch of shows like corporate gigs, mm-hmm. and uh, we were at being asked a lot about, hey, you know why don't you get this philosophy out there to, to more people? And, and we finally said, you know what? We should. We should, write, we should write a book. Just kind of put it all down. We have a body of work. Um, let, let's just teach everybody about the philosophies, principles, and tenets of improvisation, like yes and like active listening uh, to other people. And so we did it through our, our story, basically. You know, our successes, our failures. And we talk about through our story what we learned along the way and then impart some uh, advice, ideas, and exercises to people that, that buy the book. And, and it's listed as a business book, but mm-hmm. it really does also fall into the category of you know, personal or individual development and wellness. Uh, um, there's a lot of really good things is in there. And what's interesting is, is that we had to write – that wasn't on our bucket list. We were just doing shows, and we, we, our corporate – uh, entertainment, um, in addition to the ticket sales from the live shows, that that was our bread and butter. Right. And I don't know if you remember in 2008 a little financial collapse going happened. I do actually. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. yes, of course. So we were we were on a corporate gig, mm-hmm. and we're we're doing the show, and, and it was for a banking software company. Believe it or not. Oh boy. And, we get up the next day, and the front page says, Lehman Brothers collapses. Yep. Now, what was the <laughs> ripple effect of all of that? Well, you know, we were doing live shows. We were booking a lot of corporations for corporate entertainment. Well, mm-hmm. after all that happened, what did companies do? You think, and some companies got their wrist slapped for that, mm-hmm. but they, they were having these really extravagant parties and and, and, of course, the taxpayers just bailed all these companies out and said, hey, guys, what's with the big right. party with the ice sculptures and the caviar? Didn't we just give you this money? To, should you be doing mm-hmm. that? So a lot of companies really tightened their purse strings and said, hey, we got to put a moratorium on corporate entertainment. Right. So that was one of our big revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Dried up. And, and as a business, you know, a revenue stream dries up like that. Well, guess what? You still have employees. Right. You still have uh, – you still have uh, to pay people. You, mm-hmm. you have all of these fees and salaries and, and costs, operating costs that go with running a business. So we had to figure out how to create a new revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So what we talk about in the book is you know, how sometimes what seems like a horrible thing, if the yes ended, if you use the yes end philosophy, you mm-hmm. can flip the script on that situation and, and turn it into a happy accident. And that's what we did. We had to say, okay, this is a terrible thing that right. happened here. But how can we yes end our way out of this or, or prov- yes end our way to another revenue stream? And what we came up with, we said, hey, well, why don't we, you know, there's not always money for corporate entertainment, mm-hmm. but there is always money for continuing education. Of course. <laughs> it's semantic. Right. But, but, but a company will put money towards continuing education right always and so we said well let's develop something that is impactful um, informative something that we can 
respond to our corporate clients in, in that category, in the motivational speaker uh, category, uh, in the continuing education category. And so what we did was, based on the training center and what we were teaching students at our training center, we developed a keynote. And based on that, the popularity of the keynote, that became the fastest growing part of our business. Mm-hmm. So that was the substitute for that revenue stream that we lost. Right. It was going gangbusters, and that's when we were asked by corporate clients, that, man, this is a great message. This is so much fun. We love this workshop, this keynote. Why don't you guys write a book to get it out to people who can't attend one of your workshops right. or these events? And that's what we did. And that, that became a happy accident. The book that you're talking about mm-hmm. is, is the result or happy accident of, of a bad situation. Well, yeah, and... You know, especially here, I'm calling you from Detroit, so we we oh, felt it. Wow. You know, a double whammy. You know, up here, and yeah. you know, as I flipped through your book and and read a lot of it, it was you know, I wanted to just pass it on to a lot of people that I know were so deeply affected. You know, in in the the motor vehicle industry, the you know all yeah. of that, and I mean, there wasn't anybody. I don't think at least in Metro Detroit, Southeast Michigan, that wasn't affected by, you know, the financial crash in 2008 or, you know, yeah. the the big bailouts of the, of the big three. And, you know, yeah. the message that, that is in your guys' book is just, is something that, I mean, anybody could really apply to any day of their life. And it's just, it's re- it's, it's really a great, great piece of uh, literature. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, yeah, I, I, look, I grew up in Ohio. I'm from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, yeah, it, 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 I know that Detroit was hit hard, you know, and, and that, that, that was such a bad situation. But, you know, the thing we talk about in the book, it's funny because it's a business book, but we talk about things like empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> in a business book, right? But our message has really started to resonate um, more and more now, because I think people are kind of just looking around and they're saying there's got to be a better way to work with each other, isn't there? Right. And, and, and because, you know, there's a lot of, of you know, Machiavellian in, in the way that business is run. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's dog eat dog. Uh, you got to stab the other guy in the back to get ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, step on whoever you need to step on to climb the corporate ladder of success. You know, it, that's not who we are. And it just that's, doesn't have to be that way. No, it, of course it doesn't have to be that way. You know, that, that, is, that is learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's learned bad behavior, by the way. Right. The way we're hardwired, uh, most of us, is we want to help each other out. We want to collaborate. You know, we want to yes end ideas versus say no, that stinks. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're hardwired to be compassionate and to be empathetic. Right. And so our book, that, that, that's what improv is all about on stage. It's about active listening, listening to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about yes ending each other's ideas, supporting each other, you know, a sense of play on stage. I mean, all of these things that we do improvisationally on stage are really the things we should be doing in our own lives every day. And here's the great news for all your listeners. Mm-hmm. You're saying, yes, Frank, but you're an improviser. Well, I, I would say we all are improvising. Right. You know, 
the world is but a stage and we are merely players. Well, this whole thing that we're doing, that you and I are doing right now, that all of us are doing, you're going to do when you hang up with me, mm-hmm. it's one big improvisation. Yep. It's one big, long, improvisational scene. Yep. So We, we don't know what's coming next. If you're going to improvise anyway, you're already doing it, mm-hmm. then why not enhance what you're already doing and improvise in a positive way in a positive environment? That's, that's what the book talks about. We're all improvising. Right. <laughs> and yeah, that's like, you know, uh, that's why I love the the name of the title, you know, Happy Accidents. It's like, it's basically, you know, showing you a way to look at the glass half full instead of, yeah. you know, half empty. And, you know, finding that that good side of, you know, sort of calamity. And it, yeah, I, I mean, obviously you don't want calamity, and, and certainly nobody wanted the financial uh, collapse to take place. I mean, it was terrible. Um, you just, we just need to figure out, you know, how to yes end our way uh, out of things. And, right. You know, a, as an individual, as a company, or, or as a society, a culture, a nation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there, we just need to, we, we need to approach things in a more positive way. And in improv, it teaches you to do that because you, you have no choice. You're on stage. You, you know, when somebody yells something out, a suggestion, Cal, for instance, as a mm-hmm. performer, you go, yeah, you know what? We get cow a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, something else. No, you just go with it. Somebody says cow, and okay, then you start a scene. Oh, we're on a farm. Uh, we're talking a cow. Okay, great. Whatever it is that you're doing, you don't have to, which, which it teaches you, don't judge. Mm-hmm. Don't judge. Don't judge the cow suggestion. Just go with it. Because the cow suggestion might end up being the best scene that you would have never thought of or done had you not just gone with it. And that's what Yes Bend is. It's about, you know, just kind of going with the flow of things without judgment mm-hmm. and trying to figure out a positive way to to uh, attack a problem or a scene or a relationship. You know, that's what it's all about. Right. It's like you can't see the red flags if you're wearing rose-colored glasses. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And look, we are not naive enough to think that you don't you don't have to say no sometimes in your life. Of right. course, yes. All we talk about or ask in the book is that if you're going to say no, don't make it a reactionary no. Make it a considerate no, meaning oh, you've thought about it or you've done it and, and, and there's a better way to do something. And then you would tell a person that. You know, if you're a parent and you have a, a, a kid and your kid comes up to you and says, you know, hey, mom or dad, can I go out and play ball in, in the traffic? You wouldn't say, yeah, and wait till night and wear camouflage. To the <laughs> right. To you. That would be a horrible yes then. Right. But, you, but, but what you would say is, no, you can't go play ball in the traffic. However, you know, we can go to the park together right. and play ball. There's always a workaround with, with the yes then. We just ask that the person... Uh, make it a considerate no if they're going to say no. Right. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us here on uh, Creative Kaleidoscope. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you and a great honor. And no, uh, like, Likewise. I, 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 uh, 
It was a pleasure talking to you as well. And if you were ever in the Metroplex, please let me know, and I'll make sure tickets are waiting for you at the door for a show. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And make sure everybody get out there, read Happy Accidents. And if you're in the Dallas area, go check them out. Four-day weekend. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Frank. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump back into the painting. Stay tuned. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're going to have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on NewRadioMedia.com. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. The things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on NewRadioMedia.com. Low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, yeah? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek-approved. Right, let's see how that painting is coming along. Now we're working the galaxy with some more color. And just keep adding more swirls and more swirls. Use fluorescent, all the fluorescent colors, yellow, orange, pink, and even hit it with some cherry red. And now I'm gonna cover it all with black. Covering everything with black. we can put the newspaper or actually we're going to end up using plastic wrap on this one and again making sure the edges of the canvas are nice and covered
And we're covering up everything with plastic wrap because we want to see how this design comes out. And I have a feeling that plastic wrap isn't the right choice for this. How do I know? Because I know how this painting comes out. <laughs> and plastic wrap was not the right choice for this design. In this episode, you will learn a lot of what not to do when creating your spray paint canvases. You can already tell it's not going how I want it to. But that's okay. Just rework it. It's spray paint. It stays wet for, you know, it dries quick, but it stays wet for long enough to, to work what you need to work out of it. And I'm trying to keep my stencils from moving too much on me. And don't get too frustrated. But, you know, when you're racing against the clock, it's always good to remember, don't race against the clock. Just take your time. And now I'm adding that flare back to my planets. And I kind of made a new swirl with the newspaper. And now I'm kind of making a new design for the galaxy. Wasn't really digging how that came out. So adding some more paint to the canvas. There really is a lot of paint on this canvas. So be very careful. You will see why you need to be very careful in the end. Just a little foreshadowing of some things that you maybe might want to not do. No reason to rush your painting if you don't have to. Just let it dry naturally. And now I'm using some, some cardstock to just kind of make some, some lines, work my galaxy a little bit, work that design, and then my flares. And let's take it back to the studio. And we'll come check back in on this painting in a little bit. Coming up, we talk to Arvel Jones, a comic book penciler veteran. low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, eh? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek-approved. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Hi, 
I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, PodQuesters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic sweeping adventure where we try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com, Fridays, PodQuesters. See you there. Guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on new radio media. Turtle Power! I sat down with a veteran in the comic book arena, Arvell Jones, as we talked about his history in the business and the newer stuff that's reaching mainstream. And welcome back to Creative Kaleidoscope, and I am here with comic book artist Arvell Jones. What's going on, Arvell? Oh, a whole lot, not enough yeah. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the last time I saw you was at uh, Great Lakes Comic Con. How was that for you? You know, I, I enjoy going to Comics Con, and, you know, when I was really working in the field and doing monthly titles... I only had uh, the editors to tell me whether the books I was doing were doing pretty good. Right. And, uh, and then when I started going to conventions years ago, I didn't like to sit down at the show. So, you know, they would give me a table. And I'd say, why are you giving me a table? You know, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to walk around and be part of the, go to the panel discussions and hang out. But now that I'm getting a little older, a little slower. I sit down at the table and people come up and I'm finding, you know, what, what are you telling me I changed your life? You know, right, <laughs> you right. know? and uh, I saved your life. Sometimes you hear those stories. I mean, so it's great, you know, great to meet the fans. For sure. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be at Motor City Comic Con? I will be at Motor City this year. Nice. Um, I'm doing the Monroe Comic Con uh, later in the year, uh, Motor City, and I think that's about it here in Michigan. But I'm going to Philadelphia, I'll be at the uh, uh, Universal Fan Con, which is a, a new show. Mm-hmm. And I said Philadelphia, but it's uh, Baltimore, oh, okay. Baltimore, okay. Maryland. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not even sure where all I'm going. I'm going someplace in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Just, you know, so I just like the tour. My wife yeah. loves to go. We... Uh, you know, it's like every place is a vacation for, you know. Yeah. So it's it's great. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Interact with the fans. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Do you uh you do a lot of sketches and do a lot of artwork when you're there? Usually. Yeah. Usually the um you know, there's a certain crowd that collects original mm-hmm. convention art and mm-hmm. sketches. How long does it take to usually knock out a, a sketch, or does it just depend on what people want? Yeah, it depends like on what they want. It's like I did one sketch. I'm not quite done with it, but it's got 22 characters on it. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, one of the things I used to do is this book called All-Star Squadron, which mm-hmm. Roy Thomas was the writer at the time. Uh, Roy was the, uh, the hand-picked successor to Stan Lee at Marvel mm-hmm. for a long time, but when he left Marvel, he went over to... Uh, to to uh, DC Comics and created this book called All-Star Squadron, which is set in World War II, and it had not all, not just all the characters in the DC universe, right. but 
also they had, uh, you know, DC had acquired the rights to a lot of different uh, uh, characters from Standard and uh, Fawcett and, you know, I, I, you know, I can't even think of all of the different, you know, quality, you know, uh, uh, companies. And I look up and I'm, I said, well, I'm doing Captain Marvel and Plastic Man and Dow Man, you know, and, uh, you know, Roy was asking me to put a character in here from some company I've never even heard of from the 40s, you know, as well as uh, the DC characters from that day. So, uh, you know, I, I'd look up and I might be working on a book back then that, you know, might have 50 characters in the one issue. You right, know, so, you right. know, I'm like, so the All-Star Squadron fans, they typically, you know, want to see a lot of characters in their work and yeah, everything. So that, you know, that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then there's others that just want to see one character, you know. And right. This is my favorite character. Can you do that? You mm -hmm. know, and sometimes they want it in pencil. Sometimes they want it in ink. Sometimes they want it penciled, inked, and colored. Right. So it's, it's a little hard for me to judge, you know. And, you now, know, do you have a preference when it comes to pencil, ink, color, anything like that? Like, what's, what's your go-to? Well, when I was at Marvel in D.C., I was a, a penciler for the most part. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the easiest, fastest thing for me to do, you know. Just, you know, turn the brain on automatic and the pencil hand comes out and I can start. Inking is always, you know, rack feel for me because when I put a line down, I'm always, since it's my work, right. I always want to, you know, want to reevaluate it every five seconds. So, right. you know, the pencil me says, oh, this is going to look great. The ink me goes, what if I were to do this? Wants to experiment all the time. And then if I screw it up, I got to start all over again, right. <laughs> you know, because uh, I don't like putting white paint or, you know, and covering things up. So, you know, that means I got to start all over again, redraw it and then, re you know, and I, and as a as an inker, I don't trust my pencils. But as a as you know as a penciler, I love my pencils. And when mm -hmm. people ink them, you know, I'm just I love the collaboration. Right. So um, and then coloring is sort of a newer thing for me. You know, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm pretty much a basic colorist. I don't do a whole lot. And if I'm doing an original, then pretty much it's going to either be marker or watercolor. Okay. And it's going to be you know pretty much stick to the basics. So that's not a hassle. But the inking part is just, now I can ink somebody else's work. I look at it and say, oh, I know what I want to do with this. Right. But my work is constantly being reevaluated. <laughs> so when you talk about, you know, single characters mm -hmm. and uh, commercial jobs, mm -hmm. the big one that you just got off of was Black Panther. Oh, yeah. yeah how that was, was, a, that how was, was that? Well, you know, that was a project in which um, I was called up mm -hmm. to... Uh, before the photography, but sort of after all the costumes and everything else were done. So they sent me a lot of reference and a lot of uh, conceptual drawings to take a look at. And I was getting all excited and I said, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to get started, I'm gonna do this poster. He said, no, the only thing you need to be concerned with is Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther. We hired you to pose the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. So I said, just pose him and so, you know, the art director at the time, Art Sims, who was the guy I went to high school with here in, in, here in Detroit, he remembered, you know, I was a comic book guy back right. then, and uh, he said, man, I'm doing a Black Panther. How would you like to work on a movie poster? I didn't even ask him how much. I just yeah. said, yeah, yeah, let's do it, you yeah. know. And uh, so he said, I said, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He says, well, uh, you're going to just do some cool Black Panther poses. So just whatever comes off the top of your head, send them to me. 
So, you know, I sat there and did about 200 drawings and said, here. You said, whoa, 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 I'm only paying you for 10. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, oh, oh, okay, all right, well, pick whatever you want. You know, he Mm -hmm. ended up picking 25 or something like that. He couldn't narrow it down to 10. And uh, so then he went through all these. I did little thumbnails of Mm -hmm. everything. Everything was maybe about an inch high by inch wide, maybe two inches high on some of them, you know. An inch wide, and he said, "I need some billboards." So I said, "Give me the aspect ratio." I did those, mm-hmm. turned them in, and then he went, uh, "Okay, um, I need you to tighten a few of them up." So I'm tightening them up, you know, doing just some pencil drawings, and then he says, uh, "Okay, Cinder, these look pretty good. Let me show these to Disney." You know, mm-hmm. um, so he shows them to Disney, and I'm waiting on a response, and all of a sudden I get all these pictures back, and I said. This is Chadwick Boseman taking my poses as best he can because some of them were wild. You know, I can right. imagine stuff that the human body can do, but, you know, would have to be suspended, you know, or something, you know, just doing a, right. a jump isn't going to capture it. Right. So, you know, he was, so I was looking at him and, was, and he was going, which ones do you like? And I said, well, I like part of this one and I like the legs on this one. And he was like, okay, <laughs> we can retouch it all in, you know. Right. So we spent a lot of time putting body parts together to get the kind of poses that we wanted for 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 uh, uh, Chadwick, and then to see some of them in their final form, mm-hmm. you know, they you know they went back to them, and uh, and then the retouchers would come back and said, you know, okay, this looks pretty good, but you got an anatomy problem. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, Chadwick's got this fro on his head, and then he's got a mask that fits the fro and his head. Mm-hmm. So now he looks like a you know a kid in a onesie, you know, in this Black <laughs> Panther outfit. You right. know? It's got this little, big head and this little body on him. And I was going, uh, we got to reduce all the heads. And they said, really? Got to reduce? I said, absolutely. You got to reduce it. But it's not going to be like that in the movies. So it doesn't matter. They got, you know, they're going right. to uh, change their camera angles and everything. But no, all the heads have to be reduced. So, you know, so that was kind of cool. And then right. I, one night I was watching uh, Chadwick on um, the Jimmy Kimball show. Mm-hmm. And he used my quote. He says, uh, Jimmy said, I understand there's been a problem with the, uh, uh, with the posters and everything. He said, ah, not a big problem, but they, they had to work on it a little bit because I look like a, you know, a kid in a onesie. And I said, <laughs> oh, wow, they got all the way to him. <laughs> so that was cool, you know. So yeah. how is like working on photo shoots and mm-hmm. you're talking about thumbnail sketches. How detailed do the thumbnail sketches have to be? Um, well, we're just talking about a figure for the most part. Okay. Sometimes I put ideas behind it, you know. They say, do the poses for the character. And I'd say, but what if the character were looking down on Wakanda? So I'd do a little drawing of Wakanda. Right. And him on, on top of the mountain looking down on Wakanda. And then when the, when the poster came out, it was him looking down on Wakanda uh, on top of a giant uh, statue of a panther's head. And I said, mm-hmm. ooh, that was a good idea to add that, you know. Yeah. But pretty much the concept was still the same, you know? So I was like, yeah, that's great. Um, I think the, you know, the thing I was, you know, uh, most excited about, about working on it uh, was just seeing what the final product was gonna right. be. It was like a, a bear to see that. So you did all mm-hmm. the concept art for all the posters? N- no, 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 I wouldn't say that. I'd say everything that Chad, that was Chadwick Boseman. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> all those different poses, I. I got to do all of those, you know, in the drawings and mm-hmm. everything, and he, they took them, and then they might vary it a little bit. Uh, but there's so many people between me, the original 
uh, you know, concept sketch artist right. down to the final retouching. There's so many people in the middle of all of that. Right. You know, no one person can really claim, hey, that's my movie poster. It's not like do, like the old days when right. they used to do movie posters in the in the 70s or, or earlier where a guy actually painted it and then somebody else put the type in and boom, it was done. Right. You know, it just has to go through too many people, so. Now, as the concept artist, do you actually show up on like the sets for the photo shoots, or doggone it? Because that that stupid internet, man. Yeah, I can right. work from anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you there. Yeah, man. so you know that was kind of how that went. Unfortunately, no, I didn't get a chance to go out. Well, right on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, getting off of uh, Black Panther a little yeah. bit, what are some of your other favorite characters that you like to draw? You mean besides Black Panther? Yeah, besides Black Panther. i always been, when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. it was Batman, Batman, Batman. No, 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 no. Batman, you know. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Captain America. Mm -hmm. was, those were some of my favorites. Uh, uh, of course... I would be remiss if I didn't mention Misty Knight, which is, you know, the character right now that's most famous for working mm -hmm. on. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, I guess uh, I'm one of those guys that get a real kick out of the concept of a superhero who doesn't have a lot of powers. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, that just fascinates me. He says, what about bullets? What about, you know, people with knives and, you know, and samurai right. swords and how are you going to fight those with just a shield or some gauntlets on your arms or right. something like that, you know. But I'm fascinated by that. So I like drawing those characters, although the superhero characters, which I don't quite relate to, mm -hmm. I find them fascinating from the standpoint that they do have all these powers. And uh, so whenever a request comes up, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something unique. But, you know, when I'm on the convention floor, I said, what are they going to do? Uh, I, I can't think of anything. They're going to run or they're going to fly. Right. <laughs> that's, right. that's pretty much what it is when I'm drawing them, you know. But when I'm home alone with time to think, then my mind goes nuts. What's it like to see, like, your comic book creation, like Misty Knight, on, like, a live action scene, like in Luke Cage? Oh, man. Um... You know, not only did I create the, uh, you know, the, the character concept, you know, mm -hmm. I got to do the, the, the concept Bible. I actually wrote it because I was a kid, you know, just out of high school when I created the character. Mm -hmm. She had a different name. And then uh, Tony Isabella, uh, we were working on Iron Fist together. And he says, I want a sidekick for Iron Fist. I said, ooh, ooh, I got the character. I got the character for you. She's got, you know, bionic arms and bionic legs and... He said, whoa, 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 slow down. You know, I can't have a character that's more powerful than the lead character right. being the sidekick. The sidekick can't be more powerful. Right. So, so, so I said, okay, I really want this character in, so, you know, we'll, I'll let you depower her. So he says, well, she's going to have, he's Iron Fist, so she'll have an iron hand. Or, you know, she'll have a steel hand or with a mechanical hand. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And then um, after the character got a little popular, Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Grimwall, um, uh, God rest his soul, uh, came to me and said, hey, we really love this Misty Knight character. Can you, can you give me some background information? And I said, yeah, I got a whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I went through and edited a little bit and sent it to him so that she had more than just a hand. Now she had an arm. Mm -hmm. And then 
I did a little bit of the backstory. So I said she had a arm and then that gets torn off and then she gets another arm. And that's all designed and everything by Tony Stark. And they love that. Oh, so, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I say, and they just keep upgrading their arm to keep having fun <laughs> with it. So, so she can be as powerful as they want her to be, right. you know, or as, as, you know, more back to the character that I originally created. Right. And uh, Tony doesn't care. You know, he's been off the book. He got Black Lightning right. started and, you know, right. so he's all excited about that. So <laughs> when you're mm -hmm. creating a character, you know, mm -hmm. like from scratch, where are you? pulling inspiration from for that? Well, back then, when I created the character was, you know, early 70s. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at television at the time, there were no characters that that I could relate to. Nobody that I, I you know, that I could, uh, um, reminded me anybody I knew for right. the most part. So in the case of Misty Knight, um, I just drew from the family around me and my friends. So she kind of became an, an amalgamation of my mother and a girlfriend that I had back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, from, for personality's sake, you know. So she was, you know, very strong. Back then, all of the superheroines were like, oh, help, come save me, Reed. Uh, you know, invisible girl, you know. Oh, I can't hold the force field this long, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> I need somebody to back me up, you know. Right. And I said, this this lady's gonna be very independent, very strong. Mm -hmm. She's not gonna wanna rely on anybody for the most part. She mm -hmm. thinks she's got it all in hand. She's very smart. You mm -hmm. can't really tell her anything else. She learns lessons along the way and grows, but for right. the most part, she's headstrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I wanted a character like that, that was, you know, um, somebody said, you want her to be like Butch? And I said, no, 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 she's still a female. Mm -hmm. You know, she still has emotions, she still has whatever, but that's what I'm looking for. In terms of the um, the idea of a you know half um, cybernetic being and things like that, it just didn't exist. I, you know, I'm looking at Robbie the robot, you know, and he's like strong and and everything. And I'm looking at you know, I looked at old animation. They used to call it Japanimation. Now it's mm -hmm. anime. But mm -hmm. back then, I looked at Tobar the Eighth Man and you know uh, uh, Astro Boy, you know, mm -hmm. and I said they were always robots, you know, with, you know, that could act like humans or, or a robot that had sort of the personality of a, of a human, right. you know, was programmed to be a human. I said, why not just a human, right. you know, and with robot parts. Right. So uh, that's kind of what happened with Misty and some of the other characters. It's just, it's that same process. It's like, what can I do that's different than what's already out there, you know? So, you know, I got some unique stuff coming up that, uh, I won't get into it right now, but okay. uh, but they uh, uh, they definitely you know just you know they come out of the weird you know they come out of uh, yeah. uh, of not having seen it before right and they also come out of you know sometimes I'll talk to somebody or I'll see them doing something and I said gee that almost looks like that person looks like they're floating you know and they're they're on one of those uh, hoverboards or whatever and I said oh there's another idea for a character yeah you know right yeah. <laughs> Well, if you had uh, any words for an aspiring comic book artist or just an artist in general, what would you what would you say? Um, you know, just keep experimenting, keep going. Part of the, I used to tell my students because I was a teacher at the College of Creative Studies. Mm -hmm. I said it's okay to be crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, talk to yourself, and you know, you're, you're learning to draw figures and things. You want to draw more realistic, and you want to draw human figures. Right. Take the pose. You know, mm -hmm. just go ahead and take the pose, you know, and 
He said, but, you know, what if I'm out and about, you want to understand your muscle structures and things like that? You right. know, assume the pose, feel where, where, where the stress points are and, you know, look at your arms or, or whatever and look at how, if you want to learn to draw fabric, look at yourself. Right. Get a big mirror and, and, and experiment, you know, and, 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 uh, and you're always there as a model. So, you know, just have fun with it, you know. Right yeah, I had a I had a mentor that used to always say, "Hey, man, I was I'd ask him how's he doing." He said, "I don't know. I'm making it up as I go along." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every day, he said, "You know, I don't know when I'm going to eat. I know he said it's different every time." <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, Mr. Arvell Jones, thank you so much for joining us here on Creative Kaleidoscope. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. It's been fun. Okay. Thank you, RD. No problem. And yeah. we'll after the break, the final touches on this week's painting. We're offering spectacular savings during the spring sales event at Parkway Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Great deals on our inventory of over 2,000 new vehicles, including our entire selection of Ram 1500 pickups with special lease deals on many of our best-selling models. Over 200 vehicles, under $200 a month. Early out on all lease payoffs of $3,000 or less. And Parkway offers an extra $2,000 for your trade-in. Only at Parkway Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Clinton Township, where you just show up, sign up, and ride. Low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version here. I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek-approved. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Wald Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. Hey, you guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on new radio media. Turtle power! Now let's look at how that painting turned out. Now we're working the backside of the planet again with a little bit of black to mark the dark side of the planets and the moons. And still working the design of the galaxy. Being that the first part didn't really work out, now we're gonna flick on our stars, which is a really fun part. And why you should definitely wear gloves. Spraying a little bit of the white rust oleum on the tips of my fingers. 
shaking off the excess and then just flicking on the stars trying to stay with the pattern of the galaxy trying to keep it as tight as possible and you know a couple spots that might bug you just feel free to hit it with that newspaper again trying to work some designs in with the newspaper still not coming out how I want it to so I'm just kinda wiping all the paint off just to redo it again and don't worry you can cover it and cover it and cover it until you get what you want out of it and eventually you will have a painting that you might actually like And try not to be too hard on yourself. I know I have a tendency to do that. And now I'm just working with the fluorescent colors again because I want it to really pop. The black light as always, especially in the, the spray patterns and the planetary patterns. And flicking some stars back on because we are redoing our patterns on the canvas and we're getting close to what we want as far as the design and just going over it there with some glow-in-the-dark clear coat and I want to hit the planet with the glow-in-the-dark and I want to hit my moons with the glow-in-the-dark And just kind of touching up the edges there using the cardstock as a shield. And this is where you want to be very careful. You can see how much paint was on there. And that paint just ignited and oh boy, it came up quick. Be very careful when you're doing that. You don't want to have any mistakes. There is way too much paint on that canvas to light like that. And I should have just let it dry naturally. And now I'm going back over it with the glow. And you know, even though that was a reckless mistake, it did actually make the canvas have a pretty cool texture to it. So, you know, it's one of those happy mistakes, as Bob Ross would say. And that's the almost finished product. Now I wanted to do a few more touch-ups at the end. I hit it with the airbrush, added some more stars, tightened up the shine on the planets, and you get a nice shot of what the finished product actually looks like. You can see the texture in there, and you can see what the black light brings out of the planet paintings. And we're gonna take it back to the studio now. Thanks for joining me on this painting. Thanks for stopping by this week. Check us out every week only on NewRadioMedia.com.